Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will go down into the Salt and Light cellar and bring up some of our favorite conversations. First, Frank Rocca of Catholic News Service tells us what the Vatican was like when Pope Benedict announced his resignation. And we meet singer-songwriter Pasquale Talarico. In our second half hour, Father Thomas Rosica tells us what it is like to be collaborator with the Vatican Press Office during a papal transition. And at the end of the program, we reconnect with Salt and Light Hour featured artist Sarah Hart. We begin now with Frank Rocca and the Vatican a day after the papal resignation. Unless you're living under a rock, by now you've probably heard that Pope Benedict announced that he will be retiring as Pope on February 28th. This is unprecedented in modern papal history. And to help us understand the significance of this and to give us more details, earlier this week we spoke with Catholic News Service Rome Bureau Chief Frank Rocca. Frank, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here, Deacon. So what's the mood in Rome today? Well, I think people are still absorbing uh, this. Uh, I, you know, I spoke to a couple cardinals today, and uh, one of whom was in the room mm-hmm. when uh, Pope Benedict uh, made the announcement on Monday, and yeah. he still doesn't have uh, <laughs> he still doesn't have uh, the words uh, to explain exactly what's happened, and and and, and people don't know. Uh, what's going to happen. They did, there's so many unanswered questions because this is uh, practically unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and what's, what's striking is that there doesn't exist the sort of um, uh, usual language to talk about this. And so, and so, it's, it's, so it's a moment of, uh, of kind of openness. It's a disturbed moment, but it's also a, a moment of great, uh, of great a very interesting and, and, and fascinating and stimulating moment. That's right. There's, there's no playbook. We're kind of sort of figuring it out, uh, figuring it out as we go. Um, you were at the, were you at the general audience this not sorry the Ash Wednesday Mass. Um, well, I, uh, yes, we were uh, there, and uh, it was uh, quite a moving occasion. Was it? Uh, yes, uh, the Pope uh, uh, at uh, Cardinal Bertone, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. at the uh, at the very end of the Mass, uh, read a short tribute uh, to the Pope and, and thanked God for His service and. And, and and then the whole, this is, you know, I, I don't know when this has ever happened before, if ever, but the entire congregation, uh, Stood up, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know exactly how many people, close to 10,000 rows, and gave him a standing ovation standing of more ovation. than a minute. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, we watched it on, on TV, um, and, and we thought, oh, there's no way he's going to start, you know, crying, but he held, he held his composure. Um, I, I don't know if how anybody else was crying. Um, um, did this announcement come out of nowhere? You know, there are very few people who, 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 uh, that I know who predicted this. Uh, uh, my predecessor, John Davis, yeah. the, the former, he, he, he did it, it many times, I remember, and there are some others. But I have to say, I have to admit, that I didn't think so. I thought that, may, that Benedict might do it when he, if he became very, very sick, mm-hmm. and I assumed that he had left written instructions in, in, that, in such a case. But I, I didn't think he would. I thought he would hold out. But looking back now, it makes sense. Looking back now, you see, uh, we should have known. Right, uh, right. And, uh, yeah. Well, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, so the fact that he had asked to retire when he was a cardinal twice, and or or what he said to Peter Sewald uh, at the in, with the interview for Light of the World two two years two three years ago, 
and that he said that you know this is the if 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 a pope was unable to continue fulfilling his duties it's it's his obligation to retire so those those uh that sort of writing on the wall is what you're referring to that's true and but although on the other hand i mean you know the, even his closest collaborators i mean people who were in the room cardinal Lorenz, uh, cardinal o'brien who were in that room say everybody was looking at e- at each other and nobody everyone was stunned so if his closest collaborators you know didn't the, even the know. senate uh, didn't expect it, then I, I guess journalists can be forgiven for not having predicted it. But I, on the <laughs> yes. other hand, i got to say that the actual timing of it, on the one hand, it makes sense right before Lent. It, 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 there's a very uh, sort of beautiful symmetry in having a new pope by Easter and so forth. Right. On the other hand, he leaves so many um, loose ends. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. uh, an encyclical that hasn't been published and I guess won't be, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, and which seems uncharacteristic, but I mean, he must have just felt that the, the aging process was accelerating and, 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 uh, and, and just felt that it had to be done. Okay, t- tell us a bit more about that encyclical, because I thought it was completed. That encyclical, my understanding from people uh, inside, is that he had finished his part of it, but it was go- others in the in the in the uh, 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 curia were going over it when this was just a or very ordinary procedure, and then it would have eventually gone back to the Pope. And I mean, I can't tell you exactly what stage it is, right. but it certainly wasn't ready, and it hadn't reached the point where it was being translated or anything like that. Okay, uh, and uh, and so. Now we have the press uh, secret, uh, uh, secretary, Cardinal, uh, Cardinal Father Lombardi, telling yep. us that no, it won't be published. Oh, so he has uh, said you know. that. He has yeah. said that. Now, so everybody's asking questions about Benedict's health. Um, I know that we have seen him age quite a bit in the last year. Um, is that is there something more that people you know that nobody knows? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I guess there might be, but I mean, as far as we know, he had the, you know, uh, it was revealed uh, yesterday that he's had a pacemaker, but that he had that before he became Pope. Yes. Um, I mean, my view is that if he were really feeling that he was, was, you know, about to die, I I imagine he would have just gone ahead and died, because that's the ordinary thing that Popes do. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think he must feel that he's got a little time left. Uh, but uh, in terms of his health, I mean, I, 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 I gather everyone's been assuring us that it's been a, that it's a gradual thing. That there's no Father Lombardi specifically said there's no specific specific no, medical yeah. uh, crisis. Right. Know? So what happens now? I know I know that you might not know for sure, but sort of what are people saying that would happen now in terms of, you know, where he's going to retire? Is does he go back to being a cardinal? How how, how does that work? No, he won't be a cardinal, uh, and uh, the question of his actual title is not uh, settled. He'll be presumably settling a lot of these things himself before he goes, because uh-huh. after all, until February 28th, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the Pope. The Pope yeah. so, so he would do his successor and everybody else a big favor by that. It, it, one title that Father Lombardi said was perfectly plausible was Bishop, Bishop Emeritus of Rome, of Rome because yeah. indisputably he will be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but, but whether, he, whether some other time, he will be living in the Vatican City. He'll be living in a, in a in small a, a former monastery. Yeah, okay. And does he, does he go back to being Joseph Ratzinger? I guess he's not good, Benedict. Good anymore. question. No, but no, if oh. he keeps, but if he keeps writing and publishing, he'll. I'm sure he'll do that under that name as he's done even while he's pope, as you know. Yeah, I know I, exactly. So he'll continue. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I always noticed that that he always, he always used his 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 name when he write. Um, um, so I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of things still uh, still up in the air. Then, yeah. For example. Will he appear, will he participate in the, in the first liturgy of his successor? Right. I asked Father Lombardi that yesterday, that's question, and he yeah. said, that's a very good question. We don't know. 
Well, um, <laughs> I guess he has to go to mass. <laughs> right, but he doesn't have to appear. At a, he, he doesn't, doesn't have necessarily to. have to appear at a, a public liturgy. He may just. I mean, I, everyone. Cardinal O'Brien told us today uh, he will be invisible. He will really. He will really become a recluse. Not a recluse, but he will really try to avoid any any kind of distraction, being a distraction to his successor. But that does that. But but maybe there'll be some kind of rite of passage, some sort yeah. of I don't want to say passing of the imperium or something, but you know, some sort of. It's, it would be a new thing, a liturgy that has to be now invented, really, and by by I guess by by Benedict himself before he goes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and even I I I mean I've heard people say that even though if if he managed to be uh, as you say, quote unquote, invisible. I mean, how really, how possible is that? And and uh, will we enter an era where the, actually they are by default two popes, because people will still see him as Pope Benedict? You know? Well, needless to say, any cardinal that you would talk to, and to and if you talk to the, pre- the Vatican spokesman, they will immediately say, "Don't worry, there's no danger of that," because Benedict himself would never allow it. I think that's true. I'm sure Benedict wouldn't want that. Uh, I, you know, what I think there is a slight danger is that some people who want to criticize this or that policy of the next pope, uh, or this or that teaching, or this or that decision, mm-hmm. will probably start uh, start the rumor mill and start whispering that, well, you, we know that Pope Benedict is, uh, yes. is, is unhappy about this or that because he told my friend. Uh, but, you know, Cardinal O'Brien said and, and, and that he thinks that the Pope Benedict will make it so clear that he's not that he's going to be uh, silent and respectful of his successor that that won't have much credibility. Okay. Now and 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 again I don't know how much of this has been settled but so there's there's a final uh, I guess event or mass on the 28th. And uh, uh no on the, on the I, uh, if I'm not mistaken on the 27th uh, the day before he'll give a speech uh to uh the College of Cardinals. So it'll be his valedictory speech and that will okay. be fascinating. Uh, but, and then on the on the twenty eighth, he'll at five p.m. he'll fly by helicopter uh, and he'll leave uh, Vatican City three hours before his <laughs> he ceases to be pope and fly to Castel Gandolfo, the 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 the, 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 the summer retreat. So twenty the twenty eighth is the twenty eighth on is, the very is, last day. Is yeah, the at moving 8 p.m. Day. Rome time. So I guess two p.m. Toronto or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he'll he, have he ceases to be pope. And you'll have a general audience on the twenty seventh, as as always. Well, that on the 26th, the, right, which is Wednesday, right? No, the Wednesday is the 27th. Okay, sorry. Okay, I yeah. See, I thought the 28th case, was on that, on that, on that, That's right, the day before. Then it's Thursday okay. that he sees it. And, and, the, and there will be the last, the last general audience, and, uh, and it will be in the square, which is unusual, for, which is not the procedure for this time of for, year. Yeah, but no, it'll be freezing. And, and, but there's no word as to when the conclave would begin? The conclave under canon law is supposed to begin from 15 to 20 days after the seat becomes vacant, right? The C becomes vacant. The yeah. contest. So uh, do the math. It will be, I think it's the 15th to the 20th of March will be the beginning. Okay. Uh, I don't know anything beyond that, but I would think that given the lead time, maybe we would expect the earlier date rather than the yeah, later Yeah, you date. think so. I mean, there's no the, the, the traditional mourning period, the nine That's days right. or whatever. It's not necessary. Um, wow. So a lot of history in the making, Frank, for sure. And you're right in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah, a lot of I've, as I put it, a lot of uh, first, uh, a lot of uh, first blasts, 
Yes. Because we never had a last yes. audience, a last public liturgy as we had today, uh, you know, not knowingly, of course. But, 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 we, but in fact, we have that now, a pope deliberately and clearly saying, this is my last mass in the public and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So people having an opportunity to say thank you. Um, and, and I guess that's something we don't usually get to do either. Well, Frank, thank you very much for, for filling us uh, in and, and up bringing us up to date with what's happening. And uh, hope to talk to you again. Well, thank you, Deacon. Talk, talk to you soon. Frank Rocca is the Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service. We spoke to him last Wednesday. For more in-depth Catholic news, you can always check out their website, catholicnews.com. Here now is Pasquale Talarico with Remember Me from his new album, My Everything. Remember me When you come into your kingdom You find that love has finally set you free Remember me When I ask for your forgiveness And my sin is washed away clean Remember me When I kneel before you Remember me When I put my arms around you When my brokenness has finally been relieved Remember me When I stand in my own frailty When I fall and need your hand to rescue me Remember me When all seems lost and broken And I yearn for nothing more than peace Remember me When I kneel before you Remember me When I put my arms around you When my brokenness has finally been relieved Remember me
That was Pasquale Talarico with Remember Me from his new album, My Everything. Pasquale Talarico has 17 years experience in youth ministry and he used to play bass for the California pop punk band Super Novice. His debut album, all his debut album, My Everything. See, I'm already screwing it up. What the heck? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay. My Everything is your debut album. Yeah. Pasquale Talarico has 17 years experience in youth ministry and he used to play bass for the California pop punk band Super Novice. His debut album, My Everything, includes seven unique songs that reflect Pasquale's faith journey. And the album features Turn the Radio On, a song that, due to listener response, became the number one airplay song on the college radio station KBCU in Kansas. Not bad for a debut album. And to tell us more, we've reached Pasquale at his home in Orange County, California. Pasquale, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Well, thank you, Tika. Thank you for having me. So, Pasquale, I mean, I'm not going to assume that because you have an Italian name that you grew up in a Catholic home. I, I did. I grew up, I'm actually born in New York. I'm a New York Italian. Yeah. Uh, cradle Catholic, uh, 12 years of Catholic school. Yeah. Uh, and I currently am a director of campus ministry at an all-boys Catholic school in Anaheim, California. So you've always been uh, uh, in the faith? You never had a period of, of, of conversion or anything like that? Well, I mean, I think, I think I've always been part of the Catholic tradition. I think College was a rough spot for me. Mm-hmm. College was a time of, I, mean, I think, what a lot of young adults do, and asking a lot of questions and looking for other options. Um, and it wasn't until I actually decided to make a step into working in ministry that I felt like I got more and more, uh, it took more and more on deeper in my faith, right. and challenged myself even more. Yeah, how did you end up uh, playing bass for a punk band? I, yeah, I was a bass player in a, in a local Orange County band called Super Novice. Yeah, and a very successful band, and uh, it was, it was where I thought I was supposed to be at the time. Yeah, um, you know that was I loved music. Um, it was something that was in my heart, and uh, looking back on it, you know, you look at how the roads go in two different ways, and the music that I was doing was so separate. And you know, I started doing ministry at a very young age, almost twenty-one, mm-hmm. under twenty-one. Yeah, and um, it just you know, my music life was one thing, and my ministerial life was another. And it got to the point where I truly wanted to bring them together. So you wait. So you were doing both at the same time. Yeah, I was. I was in a in a band, and I was a youth minister. So uh, going through different colored hair and being <laughs> quite a charismatic individual, the kids tended to get a kick out of uh, their youth minister and the craziness that ensued. What did you study in college? I studied history actually in college. Wow. Um, I, I was planning on being a baseball coach and a history teacher at my alma mater. Yeah. Ended up coming back to my alma mater, becoming a baseball coach, but becoming the campus minister. Interesting, interesting. So you you didn't go thinking of going into youth ministry? Um, no, yeah. not at all. <laughs> I, you know, I was I was kind of the kid youth minister. Everybody was like, "Oh no, Pasquale's here right now. This is going to be uh, going to be an exciting evening." Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it sure, it sure has become a, uh, quite a wonderful ride. Right. So you, you were saying that you're, you're trying to live kind of this double life, being a secular musician and then being a youth minister. What, what, what gave? Like, how, how, did, what did you, how did you end up dealing with that? Well, I mean, in, it was, the kids kept on asking me why I wouldn't do music with them. Um, hmm. You know, the band was popular, and 
um, we didn't have a musician for a retreat, so I, I said, you know, maybe I can I can teach myself some guitar and play some praise and worship songs. They seemed easy enough, and I was, yeah. was absolutely terrible. Um, and so <laughs> that kind of triggered something that I wanted more of. I wanted to, to kind of dive deeper in, a, in, in the music and the guitar end of it. And uh, I taught myself guitar, and then you know I did it. I continued to work in the secular end of music, playing guitar and singing. Mm-hmm. And then in '06, I went to the Passion Conference, mm-hmm. and I went there with some Catholic musicians. We were very few Catholics that were there, um, and something happened. It was different. It just things made sense. I felt that the gift that God had given me in music, there was only one answer, and that it was going to be to serve God now and for the kingdom. Yeah. And it just, I came home, I told my band that I was leaving, mm. um, that it was time to make a big change in my life, and, and this was the direction I was going to go in. Right. So, it, once you made that change, I mean, you were already in youth ministry, but did something in your ministry change? Did, or your focus and your, I mean, do you began seeing your work in music as ministry? I did, and, and what started happening was, what was happening in ministry started being articulated in song now. Uh-huh. Um, being inspired by what was happening around me, um, that prayer became something that I put down a song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd be sitting around these young people, and one of the greatest blessings in the world is, is just talking to people. Right. And our young people are amazing. I mean, they will blow you away, and that's one of the best gifts that I get after each concert or mm. when I do a keynote or I speak somewhere, Yeah, is having a conversation with somebody who inspires me, and, and it's oftentimes that I feel like I get more inspired by their conversations than uh-huh. what I speak about. Um, but it, it's been an absolute blessing. It's yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So, so now you have this album. This is your first album, period, or your first Christian album? My first, my first Christian album. Um, I recorded that in 2011, 2011. Yeah. Went out to Nashville, recorded the album. Um, you know. It, one of the songs got picked up by a college radio station so quickly, and it uh-huh. took off. And then "Remember Me," uh, one of the songs you heard, yeah, it it, uh, it went on to Billboard, and it charted on Billboard. It was in the top twenty-five on Soft AC and Spoke. Nice. And it, it was craziness. I mean, life just became very strange and crazy. Um, and trying to stay focused, you know, and trying not to get caught up in it because it's really easy to get caught up in it. And being reminded that, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, mm-hmm. I'm a man of God. Yeah. Uh, and being reminded of those, my vocations in my life that yeah. were much more For true. sure, for sure. So what is this, al- what would you say this album is about? What, what do you want to tell the world that, or why do you want to tell the world that God is your everything? You know, it, it, I think it all happened in 06 at that Passion Conference when I felt like I was filling my life with so many other things to try to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what it's a, it's a great tale of what's happening in society. If you buy this, or you, you drive this, or you do these things, this will make you happy. Mm-hmm. And then I started asking the question, what in my life means everything to me? And it became family. It became the people that and the things that God had put in my life. Mm-hmm. And each song on the album became a story, or it became a tale of something that had happened of a young person, or the loss of my sister-in-law or, you know, a, an argument between me and my best friend. Um, they became very real and devotional songs that I would take those themes and, and, and praise God with them. Mm-hmm. Nice. No, it's, it's it, I, I'm sure our listeners, they've already, we've already heard two of, the, two of the songs, and 
I mean, it's, it's good stuff what you're doing. Um, you're working on a new album already? I am. I'm already working on a new album. I've been writing for the album for a little while, probably the day after I, I landed from Nashville <laughs> from the first album. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the working title is All Roads Lead to You. Mm -hmm. um, and this is going to take a little bit different spin. I, I'm, I've been studying uh, the advanced certificate in pastoral liturgy uh -huh. uh, from LMU, and I'm diving deeper into liturgy. And okay moving more towards music for the Mass and, and liturgical use, oh, yeah. uh, as, as well as devotional. Uh -huh. So the album will be made up for things for liturgy, uh, as well as things that will be devotional in, in, uh, in, in music. Oh, good. You know, so, that's great. There's, there's great need for that kind of music, especially if it's more praise music, because a lot of mm -hmm. Catholic... Uh, you know, music groups, especially youth youth music groups, are, are are finding that they the only good praise music that they find is outside the Catholic tradition, and they're trying to jam it into liturgy. So if we can uh, do both, that that would be great. If it's music yeah, that can and, be used in liturgy, and I think yeah. that's and that's been you know I've made some really great relationships with people who are are, are rather well known Catholic musicians who mm -hmm. write for liturgy, and they and I've been blessed to be mentored by a few of them now and. And to talk to them and for them to kind of really direct me, you know, when you get to the point where you say, you know what, I have these gifts and I enjoyed the radio stuff. It was fun. I enjoyed yeah. being on the billboard and telling all my friends and sending pictures and doing all these things. Mm -hmm. But then to be able to take what I have and what's in my heart to write for the Mass yeah. or write for our church, um, it, it's it's really what's on my heart right now. I mean, I, I think about it all the time. I'm and always writing and always melodies and always trying to figure out how it would best serve us as church. Yeah. Um, which is a very big difference from, you know, the first album, which is very much, you know, radio, pop, um, fun, upbeat. And this one will be too. Um, mm -hmm. But there will be a sense on some of the songs much more appropriate for the Mass and, and for liturgy. Yeah, no, so we've got to know who said this, but maybe maybe I can say that it was me, that the, <laughs> that the, 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 the Catholic radio station is the Mass. So yeah. I don't I don't know I don't know how I feel about that but anyway Pasquale it's been great chatting with you it's been great meeting you and listening to your music I I, I look forward to the new album um, thank you for sharing a little bit of what you do with us with us today thank you so much for having me I appreciate it God bless you that was Pasquale Talarico you can learn more about his music about his album my everything and you can book him for your next event at his website ptmusiconline.com I'm going to put that link on our website so you can find it easily and here now is Pasquale with another song from that uh, album a song called Extraordinary We came from miles around To hear his words, his words profound I wondered who this man could be He was different, not like me His kindness and love for all to see We'd do anything just to be with him Could this be all we have? Could this be our King of Kings? He is extraordinary above all things, Lamb of God in 
Lord, we sing extraordinary above all things. listening to Pasquale Talarico with Remember Me from his album My Everything. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. When Pope Benedict announced his resignation, the Vatican Press Office probably had to make a few phone calls. And one of those calls was to Father Thomas Rosica, CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation in Canada. Next thing you know, Father Rosica is helping as the English language assistant to the Vatican Press Secretary. Needless to say, he's been very busy these last two weeks. And to find out how busy, we spoke to Father Tom Rosica earlier this week. Welcome, Father Tom, to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. So good to be with you. So I know you're very, very, very busy, probably very <laughs> tired. Can you, can you explain for our listeners exactly what your duties are as English language assistant to the press secretary? As soon as the Pope submitted his resignation and the news went around the world, Father Lombardi contacted me about two days later mm-hmm. and uh, said, come right away. And I said, what do you mean? He says, like, tomorrow or the next day. So I arrived the week after, about the 18th of February, and Sebastian Gomes from our Salt and Light staff is with me. Right. I wasn't quite sure what my role would be, and suddenly I realized the day I got here that I'm basically with Father Lombardi, and I'm handling much of the English-speaking world, mm-hmm. um, the media. There's now over 5,000 journalists here. Right. So Father Lombardi, sorry, Father Lombardi is the press secretary? Father Lombardi is the director of the Holy See Press Office, okay. and he's also the director of Vatican Radio. Okay. Now, suddenly, the Vatican Press Office has taken on a huge um, huge role in this right. whole thing, because we're dealing with all of the journalists of the world. So, and you're dealing specifically with the English-speaking journalists? I have English-speaking journalists, although there are many French journalists that are also relating to me. And one of the things I do every day is to take part in the press conference in the Vatican right. Press Center at one o'clock, and so I think you've seen those images. Yes, so that's every day. Where every, that's every day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. And they've turned out to be very big moments. There's about 200 people in the John Paul II room. That's all the formally accredited journalists. Right. And there's another center over in the audience hall where there may be five or 600 working, and they're from all over the world. Uh-huh. I, I think I've given 125 interviews since wow. I've been here. Okay, so you, sorry, you said there were 5,000 accredited journalists. That's not just English, is it? Or 5,000 from the entire world. From the entire world, and how and many of those 24 are? 24 languages are represented in that group. Okay. And about 600 entities or outlets. So when you talk about you know the different outlets, radio, yes. television, blogs, and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, there's, it's quite a big group that's here, and it is the whole world. There's a tremendous amount of interest in this. There is. Now, the Vatican has asked me to do some of the big interviews. Okay. So I've had to deal with things like NBC and ABC and 
CBS in the United States, CNN, right. working closely with them, and then with Australian, British television, Irish television, and I've done interviews in different languages too. So, so I kind of lost count after 120. I know, I know. So, so you said that the m one of your main duties is the press conference or the press briefing that's every day, right? Um, to inform the journalists sort of what's been happening that day. I know. Uh, is that basically the? I mean, it's a daily briefing. Well, last week, the first week, it was to inform journalists of all of the events surrounding Benedict's last days, right. his departure to Castel Gandolfo, and that majestic flight that we saw, a very moving yes, experience. Yes, it was, it was moving. And uh, we had a huge amount of feedback from around the world. that It stopped, uh, many people stopped doing what they were doing that day. In mm -hmm. the streets of Rome, people out on the street waving at the helicopter and crying. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very moving departure. Then we moved into the second phase of the congregation meetings that are taking place. And, of course, there's a whole other dynamic there. Um, the cardinals are meeting every day, and they have not yet established the date of the conclave. No. I'm speaking to you now on Wednesday night. Yes. That date could be announced later this week. Mm -hmm. um, but we can give summaries of what goes on. It's a very serious process of what's going on inside those rooms. Everyone is bound by secrecy. But we're, Cardinal Sodano allows us to give particular information, for example, how many cardinals are present, how many are electors. What topics uh, they... The, the ones that took the oath, and then the big themes. And so today I announced okay. at the press conference the big themes around which the cardinals spoke. But we can't go into any detail but about that. But the press is not allowed inside the hall for the, for the congregation Absolutely not. No, so there's it's nobody in the there. just the cardinals and very designated people that they're all sworn by oath over what they can say and, and to maintain the secrecy. And the purpose of that is, this is not the same as a synod where we can give out information or some other ecclesial event, but this is all in view of the conclave. So today, for right. example, the qualities of the Pope, what kind of qualities are we looking for? We uh -huh. Basically, they uh, traced a profile of what this person can be. So such things are very delicate discussions. Yeah, now th this, this role is not a new role for you because, and you mentioned the synod during the, the, the previous synod, actually twice, you were, w is it, was it the same role in terms of being the English no, language no, assistant? No, 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 the, the synod, for example, for the synods, I was at the synod on the Word of God in 2008 and then the synod on the New Evangelization. Yeah. I was present in the synod hall for everything and basically dealt with the English language press every day to give a briefing on what went on. Yes. But here, I'm dealing with a huge amount of media and assisting Father Lombardi directly and managing the situation. So is it different, it, sorry, is it different because the, the media attention is different? Huge media attention, but also I'm in a situation where I'm actually giving the interviews okay. to the world media that's okay, here. Okay, so you are. Now, uh, if I've ever learned anything from you, Father Tom, is that it is so important to invite the secular media, to bring them in, to, to tell them to come and see. That's right. And I think you're very good at that. And I, we've, we've been seeing it in the last weeks with how you, you've been dealing. How, how important, why is that important, th th that the church communicates, effect, communicates church to the secular media? I'm seeing all of this as an opportunity for the new evangelization. Mm. I spent hours with the heads of the big media outlets, CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, ABC from Australia, in terms of framing the story, providing the background. We're not just giving interviews, mm -hmm. but we spend hours in preparing the people. What is the Sistine Chapel? Right. What is this particular thing? Why this particular prayer? And I must say there's tremendous interest. And when CNN asked me this past week, to write the reflection for their website, 
which I circulated to you folks this morning. Yes. It was a tremendous privilege to do that because CNN is CNN. Yes, and yes. To work with some of the big media figures in the background to help them prepare because I really believe that most of them want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. They want to be faithful to the story. And some of them, I've, they've come to Mass with me. I have Mass every morning. I celebrate Mass every morning with Sebastian. And some have come over with me to St. Peter's Basilica early in the morning just to be with us at Mass. So the journalists. Others have asked me what time I celebrate Mass in the evening. Can they nice. join us? And yeah. it's quite amazing. So you haven't, it, it is not your experience that you're getting negative reactions from the media, that they're trying to, no. to show the church there are in a, a negative way. Of the, uh, the most problematic for me has been the Italian media. And they've caused a number of difficulties among themselves, some most unprofessional, mm-hmm. thriving on sensationalism and leaks and all kinds of other things, others really trying to do a good job. But the taxing aspect has been some of the Italian media who like to pit people against one another, or they have a, a, an ability for invention. Yes. And that's been very frustrating. Yes. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to, to, to prophesy, but maybe if you can tell us a little bit about what's to expect. Uh, y- you, you suspect that the conclave, by the time this program airs, we will know when the conclave will begin. This program is airing on Saturday on the weekend. evening. Yeah, yes. And I would hope and presume that the conclave date would have been announced sometime next week. Mm-hmm and that the Cardinals uh, will be going to the Sistine Chapel just after they listen to this in a matter of days. And are we to once, because the conclave is even more secret than these congregations, will there still be daily briefings during the conclave? We will have daily briefings. Um, There'll be information given to us, not necessarily about what happens inside, but what's going on around and how many people are in Rome and other things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, just in closing, maybe can you tell us, I know there was a beautiful prayer service this evening. It was in the morning for us. Uh, in Rome. What is the mood in Rome? Are a lot of people arriving, anticipating the conclave? Uh, is there excitement on the streets? Is there, what's the mood? There's a sense of great expectation. One of the moods that's not here is the mood of mourning or a funeral. Mm, right. Uh, these events usually take place in the context of a funeral and the post-funeral and the nine days of the morning masses or the novendiale. Mm-hmm. That's not here this time. In fact, somebody showed pictures this morning on an Italian newspaper of Pope Benedict walking in his garden with his secretary. Right. Uh, somebody got some pictures taken. How they did, God only knows. And so there's not that. And there's there's a tremendous sense of excitement, expectation, and also a sense of um, there's a desire for something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't know what it is, but there's really an expectation for something new. And um, it's obvious among the cardinals that have spoken. It's obvious among the people. And it's a real time for us this Lent to pray, yes. to reflect, to purify, and to be ready for something new that will be with us at yeah. Easter. I was going to say to you that it's not a coincidence that this is happening during Lent as we prepare for something new. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Father Tom, for, for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, and and um, I'm, we're praying for you and watching you closely. Thank you, and God bless you all. Father Thomas Rosica is a Bazilian priest. He is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and right now acting as the English language assistant to the Vatican Press Secretary. We spoke to him in Rome earlier this week. You can stay updated with everything that's happening in Rome on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Sarah Hart with Spirit of Christ, or Anima Christi, from her album, Saint Song. Spirit of Christ, sanctify me. 
Sarah Hart with Spirit of Christ, or Anima Christi, from her album Saint Song. Sarah Hart is one of the most talented Catholic songwriters of our day, with eight albums to her name in her 10-year-long career. She's shown that she is not just a proficient musician and writer, but also a woman of deep faith and love of Christ, God, and the Church. When she's not at home with her young family, Sarah is singing, songwriting, leading women's conferences, running parish missions, and playing concerts. And it's really good to welcome Sarah Hart back as our featured Artist of the Week. Sarah, my dear sister, welcome Aww, to the program. Sweet, sweet Deacon Pedro. I get to call you Deacon. I know, How are you? I know. Last time we spoke, I, I wasn't ordained yet. So yes, Deacon. I'm very yeah. good, very good. And you are busy as always or as ever. Um, yeah. um, I want to ask you about juggling. And I have this image of you actually <laughs> juggling. But uh, how how do you balance... <laughs> Because you have two daughters, 
right? Yes, I have two daughters, yep, and uh, it is very busy. I, You know, it's funny, when I started doing, um, well, actually when I was pregnant with my first daughter, uh-huh. my friend, who actually is a professional juggler, okay. he, came, um, he came over one day with a set of juggling balls, and he said, I want to teach you how to juggle because you're going to need to know how to do this. Oh, my God. Okay, so there is <laughs> so, real juggling involved here. It's actual real juggling. So I did, so I learned to juggle, and it has become a pretty big metaphor for... Oh, that's yes, hilarious. this is how it looks, you know? <laughs> that's hilarious. So, I mean, but this is a life lesson for everyone because it's not just people in, in Catholic music ministry that have to juggle family right. and career, and right. you're self-employed, and you're... I mean, there's... Uh, so how... What, what, what's your kind of one advice for people who are struggling with balancing, you know, uh, deacons who are trying to balance ministry and home and work and everything else. Well, I, I think, you know, my first advice is just pray a lot. <laughs> pray okay. and pray, and then when you have time in between, pray. <laughs> but I think really my other advice is let your life be guided hmm. and don't hold on to anything too tightly. I think I learned that a long time ago that actually... The more I really do let go and kind of trust that God is taking it where he wants it to go, the better it always looks. And so I do an awful lot of just, you know, throwing my hands up in the air and just saying, I don't know, you know, and and that's a really healthy thing. And I think all of us need to kind of let God take the reins and and let ourselves just be guided and open to new experience and showing us what door he wants us to walk through. There, there's freedom to that, I guess, but it also can be frightening. Oh, it's very frightening. I always liken it to, um, you know, my, my littlest one, my youngest daughter. She is very much a free spirit and oh. a little bit of a fly-by-night, and she doesn't listen, and she doesn't pay attention. And from the time she's been tiny, since she could walk, I always have my hand cupped on the top of her head to lead her through parking lots, or anytime right. we're at an event, you know, I'm always leading her around. And I feel that's very much been God with me in my walk. Is His hand is just always on my head going, okay, now walk over there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going, okay, sure, that's fine. But that's really what a guided walk is. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? I think that even if we don't know it or we think we're not being guided, we are being guided. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. One of the things, and I think last time you were on the show, we spoke about this. You were just sort of trying to do a little more mission work, ret- parish missions, yeah. I mean, and, and retreat work. Um, that's really taken off. It's taking a little more of your time. Um, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's really exploded in a way I kind of wasn't um, I wasn't prepared for, to tell you the truth. But, you know, there's that movie that says, if you build it, they will come. Yes. And about 10 years ago, I really felt like God was saying, I need you to build this right here, this ministry from the ground up. And mm-hmm. it was basically a... Parish Mission Retreat Ministry, it started out really as a ministry toward women, Uh because there just was so little in the Catholic Church for women in terms of, like, days of reflection or retreat day or just a place of a little bit of escape time from the norm to get Mm -hmm. a little closer to God. So I built it as that, but then as time has progressed, it's become something much more than that, and now I've done more parish mission um, more concerts with parish missions and more a lot of like musician retreats things like that so um, it's really expanded and I, I love watching the way that God is sort of letting it bloom and having it bloom the truth is that you are a songwriter um, I don't yeah. know if you'd say that you are a songwriter first but that's what you do and that's what you do for a living 
Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of budding songwriters probably have this question for Sarah Hart. If people say, look, can you ask Sarah Hart where she gets her inspiration? Like, how does she... <laughs> <laughs> so what would you tell the, the uh, young budding artists, songwriters? Well, you know, it's amazing. I just did an interview about an hour ago with somebody else, and I will say this about inspiration. You have to trust that the mystic way of thinking is is a very good way of thinking for the artist and writer. And the reason I say that is this. The mystic really believes that God is in all things, and all things are in God. Uh-huh. And when you come to that basic, basic, basic understanding of faith, all of a sudden, a world of inspiration starts unraveling around you so quickly that you can't write it down fast enough, and everything around you becomes inspiration. I'm sitting here looking at a water bottle. Okay, that could be inspiration to me. I'm looking at a birthday card. Okay, that could be inspiration to me. I mean, to be able to look and say somehow God is in all these things, and all things are in our God, and I can write experientially about that, I think that's what what mm-hmm. makes you not just a good writer, but a relatable writer, which is what you need to be. It's not enough to just write a song about God or write a song that points to God, but you have to make God relatable to people. And the best way to do that is by listening to your own experience and your own walk. But you have to be able to look at that water bottle yeah. and, and see God... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, know, I think I know what you're saying. I just don't know how yeah. I can do it. God is right. in that water bottle. Uh, Every molecule, right? Right. <laughs> if you believe in a creator God, yeah. then you cannot, then there's nowhere that you can look that you don't understand that God is a part of all things that yeah. exist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that seems a little out there, but it's really the truth of the matter. And I think what, what metaphorically I'm more trying to say is that the inspiration of God is everywhere. Yeah. And it can be everywhere you look if you let it and if you know how to look and it begins with that base 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 knowledge that god is all things and yeah. all things are in him yeah and That's i guess to me it. I, I guess it goes back to what you were saying about balancing too that we need to to, to have that attitude spend time in prayer right. that the prayer becomes everything not just i'm sitting down now and saying the rosary right. or whatever um, that's a great point because yeah. prayer is everything it's every breath it's every word it's every reaching of our hand every and it's smile, every laying yeah. down on our pillow at night that yeah, is all prayer absolutely now you just ran a successful Indiegogo campaign to raise yeah. to raise funds for your new album Above Earth's right. Lamentation so um, I don't want to give too much away because I'm waiting for the album to come out and then we can have you back and talk about it but but so where are we with this album what's, what's different about this album for you like why Indiegogo and why uh, why what's this album about right well um, I just experienced a very rough rocky two uh, two and a half years mm-hmm. of grief coming through a period of intense grief um, some deaths in my family some troubles in my family some tragedies and some just some very big stuff very hard to deal with stuff and um without realizing it was six, really six months into it without realizing how deeply I was walking through this journey of grief um, and really began to write songs, not meaning to, not intentionally, but that's what was happening. I was writing songs about walking through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say what is different for me about this recording um, you know, I've done a lot of these. <laughs> this will be number nine mm-hmm. for me. Um, and in the past, it's always been, oh, I have a great concept, or oh, I have this great batch of songs, or oh, I have, you know, this is going to work for a recording. But 
this is the first time I feel like I've completely been, uh, you know, selfless in my approach because my my heart is really these songs. It wasn't, um, I think, you know, I have to write this and this is a great idea. It was more, here's what's happening right now and I am so raw and I am so hurt mm. and I'm mad at God and I'm depressed and I'm hopeful and I'm every emotion in between. So I just really feel like it was sort of um, the songs were a gift to me, and now I want them to be a gift to others walking through the same thing. We're not great all the time as Christians mm-hmm. about allowing people to grieve and walk through the grieving process and um, get to the other side with hope. And I really felt like, you know, it's a risk to make a lamentation recording. <laughs> yeah. It's a risk, but to me the risk so far outweighed the fact that, you know, when I was walking through it, I really wanted a collection of songs that I could listen to and be ministered to, and quite honestly, I couldn't find one. And so it became important to me to maybe create that, but hopefully somewhere, someone who's walking that very dark, very hard road can feel ministered to somehow. Mm -hmm. So I guess in the end, it just does feel like kind of the most risky, but the most selfless and honest thing I think I've done to date, and and that's really important for me. Um, You know, I I hope that other people can take hold of it and feel encouraged as they're walking that that road. Yeah, wow. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. I know we're going to actually play one of the songs, um, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Wow. Um, That's all the time we have, Sarah. Well, thank you. I'm so (laughs) glad to be with you. I miss you, and I want to see you, and my goodness, i got to get up to Canada, eh? I know. Maybe I should come down to Nashville. Oh, that would be so fun. I will take you to the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'd love to do that. (laughs) Okay. That'll be (laughs) that. I'll have to work that in. Anyway, um, once the album is out, maybe in September, we'll we'll have you back in the program. We can listen to a couple more songs and, and talk about some of them. That would be great. I'd love it. And thanks, uh, Deacon. Thank you, Deacon. <laughs> yes, Pedro. you're very welcome. Um, have <laughs> a great summer. Lot. Yeah, bye-bye. You can learn more about Sarah Hart, find about her concerts, or book her for a parish mission or retreat at her website, sarahhart.com. Her music is also published by spiritandsong.com. Here is Sarah now with a sneak peek at her new album, her song, Praying with a Broken Heart, from the new album, Above Earth's Lamentation. I asked you for the light You gave me a long dark night Gave me shadows for my path There was no turning back And you whispered, hold on tight I asked you for some peace of mind So 
We're listening to Sarah Hart with Spirit of Christ from her album Saint Song. That concludes the special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. <laughs>